Hey guys, and welcome to Thoughts of the Roundtable. We have Chris, Juan, Rebecca, and I'm Gabby, and we also have a special guest, and her name is Chloe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, <laughs> Chloe. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking about a very fun topic, at least in my opinion, it's really fun. Uh, we're going to be talking about feminism today, uh, and that is why we have Chloe here. She is a pretty knowledgeable person in regards to feminism and like the different aspects of it. So we decided to have her on so that we could all kind of just talk a little bit about this topic um, and in its different areas of importance. So uh, we're going to start by kind of just talking about what feminism is. Um, so some of the definitions, some of the maybe misconceptions about feminism, um, and just kind of see where we go with that. Um, but so how would each of you guys, I guess, initially, when you think about feminism, define that? Each one of us, or should the yeah. ladies go first? Or, uh, yeah. is that, <laughs> or is that is that like the patriarchy going at that? I don't know. Equality, yeah. you know, between both genders. You know? Yeah. Oh, so, Chloe, how would you define that from like what you've studied about feminism and like different aspects? Uh, I think that the you know the basic dictionary definition that feminism is just like you believe in the political social quality. I think that's a little oversimplified. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a definition here that I actually like better. If you don't mind me, just oh yeah, off. go for it. Okay. So it says um, feminism is a coordinated set of ideas and a practical plan of action rooted in women's critical awareness of how a culture controlled in meaning and action by men for their own advantage oppresses women and dehumanizes men. Hmm. So hmm. It, uh, it rejects biological determinism and sex-based discrimination. And um, an important thing to know is that it's not monolithic. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so there's, it's broad and there's lots of different facets to it. Yeah, that's something I've definitely been learning more about this semester I'm in a class that's talking about women in the New Testament and like reading different feminist critics and kind of seeing how complicated (laughs) it is that it's not just a one fits all kind of Mm -hmm. kind of thing but what about you guys do you guys have general like ways that you tend to understand feminism or like what you think of it when you like well like the true definition of feminism I always just thought was like equality between men and women Mm -hmm. it gets hardcore sometimes <laughs> but that's i don't know so you've seen it kind of like the spectrum i guess of yeah. like how yeah there's definitely a lot to it i'm i don't claim to know nearly as much as i should probably <laughs> but yeah that's what i would that's what i always considered it just like equality between men and women yeah yeah juan do you have any thoughts uh you know i think part of my ideas of oh you know everybody should be free everybody should you know do whatever they want i don't care um <laughs> You know, I always kind of, I guess, considered it the simplified version of, uh, you know, social and political equality, equality of opportunity. I know there's there's a lot more that goes into it that I don't fully understand. Um, you know, I'll be honest, kind of what I tend to see, you know, whether on the television, on the Internet or whatever, you kind of tend to see maybe, and I don't want to say radical because I don't know where you fall on all of it. Um, but, uh, you know, like you, you see the YouTube videos, you see the like, you know, people like freaking out and and like getting really like i don't know kind of excited i mean it's a good thing to get excited about you know equality um i just i don't know i think it's like what is it? third wave feminism tends to be a little bit maybe considered a little bit extreme uh where it's no longer necessarily equality more like above and uh 
you know, that's generally what I've seen. That's not necessarily what I believe. I think it'd be stupid for me to say, yeah, everybody's clearly like that because the television told me that's how they are. Because <laughs> if that was the picture of Christians, we'd have problems too, yeah, you know, yeah. like if you just based it on. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely, I, I want to learn because I hear a lot of talking points about this. So I want to understand the perspective. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it, it's a complex issue. And I think, unfortunately, the media on mul- multiple fronts tends to pick the people that are the loudest and kind of the most ridiculous out of the group you know no. and that's not just with that feminism for most things, yeah. yeah yeah that's i think just media's way of trying to get happen with our president <laughs> but uh yeah i the don't know and always wins. <laughs> I, I think it's important too to look at the history of feminism and the way that it's it's developed and 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 grown over the last centuries because <laughs> i don't think this is a new thing obviously but yeah, I think it's important to see where it's come from and seeing where it is now and kind of maybe some of the differences. Um, and maybe this is where you can help us out, Chloe, kind of a little bit with some of the more historical aspects of it and maybe how it's changed recently yeah. compared to, you know, like the 1920s and before that. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, well, the important thing to note before I even give any of that is that anything I describe is like specific to America. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. it looks totally different across the world. Yes, that's important. Um, but you know, you mentioned third wave feminism. So there are three waves and the first wave kind of an interesting thing about how that came about in America was that it actually was influenced by the abolition movement and Mm -hmm. the second great awakening. Mm -hmm. Um, so the Seneca Seneca Falls convention, um, that was in 1848, that was like the first meeting of, uh, feminists and their, um, like fighting for suffrage that came about from women who had been fighting for abolition of slavery um yeah and then the second great awakening just encouraged more thought um Mm -hmm. and then as that influenced how churches uh worked there were more like field pastors and things like that it was less structured less less finite and so in doing that they realized that more people had skills and things rather than just those who were in certain positions when you just apply that sort of ideology to other areas Mm -hmm. the logical conclusion is you know women can do more than just be a mom yeah just be the piano player yeah it'd be the be the musician at the Mm -hmm. church yeah (laughs) right so first wave feminism the primary um, goal was suffrage there were a few other facets to it but the primary thing was suffrage and then second wave feminism um similar to first wave feminism it was a little more secularized um okay but you gotta remember it was like specifically in the context of the vietnam war Mm -hmm. and civil rights movement era um they were that's also where um academic feminism um came about yeah so they were looking at things uh like you know that's where title nine came about basically sexual rights as well was kind of a big yeah Yeah. uh not as much in christian feminism but yeah like (laughs) yeah (laughs) but that whole era was you know part of like the free love um Mm -hmm. era so of course that's going to influence the feminism and the pill and all that yeah that was going on at the same time but they were definitely focused on like wage equality and work equality um and being able to get out of the house and and work and do more things yeah and then third wave feminism uh pretty similar but that's where we really start to see a lot more attention being paid to the voices of women of color yeah so that's where like womanists and muristas um come on Mm -hmm. like come to the table Mm -hmm. um you know they'd been around for a long time. Uh, so Journal Truth back like way before third wave feminism yeah. hurt Ain't I a Woman speech. But oh, so yeah, they weren't really given a platform um, really until third wave feminism. And yeah. even still, the concept of intersectionality isn't really one that's hit the mainstream really until 
the past couple of years, you don't see many people talking about it. Yeah. So that's really what distinguishes third wave feminism. Yeah, I think, it, and I think also it seems like within the third wave feminism, there's also an emphasis on those who are a minority even outside of gender roles. Like it's also kind of looking in certain circles within this group of feminists, it's like also looking at LGBT rights mm-hmm. and kind of other um, voiceless right. groups of people and kind of emphasizing that. Um, so yeah, it's definitely changed a lot and I think that's really, really cool. I don't know what you guys are Yeah, thinking. I mean, I guess I didn't really think about the whole color thing, the women of color. I guess because we're, we're experiencing that now. So it's like, yeah. oh yeah, I guess they weren't as vocal because they probably couldn't have been as vocal beforehand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of cool to, to think that that's happening too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and an important thing to note is that often they were just as vocal. They just, because of structures in society, because uh-huh. we, racism was so ingrained. I still right. is today, but. Yeah. Right. Not, no, that's right. Yeah, it's not <laughs> quite as on the books, <laughs> but like they were still just as vocal and still fighting alongside white women. It's just that they mm-hmm. weren't given their proper place at the table. Yeah. Right. Um, no matter how hard they really fought for it. So. Yeah. I remember hearing that mentioned actually. Um, there was a group of African-American women who were speaking on campus actually uh, a few months ago. Actually, I think it was last semester. And they were they mentioned kind of as women of color, like they still feel like a lot of times those who speak for feminists, like feminism, don't give them a voice. And it was mm-hmm. just something I never really thought of as a white female. Like I just never like realized, okay, there's still groups within female, like groups of people that are still not being heard even within you know the feminist movement which proclaims itself as something that's bringing equality so i don't know that was something i never i never really thought of yeah and even those who are like aware that intersectionality is important still struggle to you know actually engage in it and live up to that ideal Mm because that's an ongoing process is remembering oh hey i've i've spoken quite a bit maybe i need to step back and let somebody else Mm -hmm. yeah take the mic yeah for sure Okay, now, you have to forgive me. I'm kind of stupid. Um, <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, Sassy. Okay, intersectionality. Could you, like, define that, break that down for me? Because I'm a little, I feel like I know what it is. I just don't know. I don't know official terms. I, I know some ideas of things. Yeah, there's quite a bit of <laughs> jargon in the movement, so that's, true. <laughs> that's fair. Um, intersectionality is really just the idea that, um, you know, people have multiple identities. We can be part of multiple groups, and... It's recognizing the intersection of mm-hmm. multiple, uh, like, levels of oppression almost. Okay. So, like, race, class, gender, sexuality, um, yeah, ethnicity and religion, things like that. So, you know, a woman of color mm-hmm. um, is... Has more problems than a white woman. Yes. I mean, well, that's a... Mm, it, there's a little more nuance to it than that, but as far as systemic problems... Because like, we don't want to erase individual experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, like, systemic problems and, like, general rules, yeah, people face certain forms of systemic marginalization um, on different fronts. And I am a white woman. I don't experience systemic racism. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my black friends, you know, yeah. they do. Okay. So right. it's just recognizing that aspect of it. And realizing that it's more complex than just all women kind of, like, <laughs> right. lumped into one group. Yeah, yeah. like, our all women have a shared experience um, from, like, institutionalized sexism, but we do not all have a shared experience um, just because of the way that affects people yeah. differently across those different minority groups. Mm. That's really cool. 
So I have a question then. We're currently in the third wave right now, right? Sort of, yeah. <laughs> Would you say we're moving out? Uh, I don't know that I have earned the right to say whether or not we are. <laughs> Is there a new wave coming? <laughs> a lot of people think that we are in like a fourth wave of feminism, okay. but it's not really quite on the books. It's like maybe a transition, you know, it's a little too yeah. early to tell. Yeah. But what would that fourth wave be? You know, like, how is it different how from do the you third like, wave? I guess, yeah, like, what's the cutoff if we are ending the third wave? <laughs> why? And why would we be starting a new one? If that makes sense. I don't know if that question makes any sense. Like I said, I'm kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't, like, read a lot recently on discussing uh, what distinguishes this hypothetical fourth wave from the third wave so mm-hmm. i don't really know how to reiterate mm-hmm. what other people have thought my only thoughts would be there seems to be a lot more emphasis on like trans rights that's what i was about to say because yeah. even though transgender individuals have been around for a very long time they haven't been advocated for as much as recently um yeah yeah and then also the whole concept of like gender fluid yeah um is relatively new as well maybe that has something to do with it that's um, what i was thinking because yeah. feminism has historically rejected gender roles but not really rejected the gender binary and that mm-hmm. seems to be yeah. pretty common and i feel like that is something you're kind of seeing within the feminist movement where you have people that are still kind of holding to the binary understanding of of male and female and then you have those who are kind of kind of like you said beginning that next wave maybe of like mm-hmm. this is an issue where if a male decides to identify as a woman, how do you handle that within the feminist? Like, just kind of zip that discussion. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's, like, all these different camps of feminists, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, feminists pretty hotly disagree on yep. those <laughs> topics. So yeah. you can't really, Imagine. yeah, you can't, like, label that one particular way yep. under the feminist movement because mm-hmm. it's all different across the board. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. I just, I don't know, like, I think of a trans, I guess, like, becoming, if you're a guy you become a lady i don't know I, i'm not saying that they can't experience the same i guess systemic oppression uh against females but i also feel like doesn't it kind of take away from the the concept of like a defined feminist or femininity i don't well, i don't know the proper where, term that's kind of where the issue is like that's where you have people giving different perspectives of like some people saying well, that doesn't make sense because they're not dealing with that oppression their whole life. But then you have those who are like, but they see themselves as a female. And as a female now, they are experienced. So you mm-hmm. kind of have different perspectives within that. And that's, I guess, maybe where that wave might be shifting a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah lots of anecdotal evidence showing that when people do transition, regardless of, you know, which direction they transition to, um, they do seem to experience life a little differently mm-hmm. in a new gender presentation yeah right. um and i'm not gonna like say whether or not they're experiencing that sort of discrimination beforehand um yeah but mm-hmm. yeah interesting so it's definitely a complex issue and i think that's why there's lots of different <laughs> perspectives on it but um i'm guessing we're gonna try to get into some of the more uh the tension debate. yeah the i mean clearly there, there is like you know you you kind of say all this of like you know i guess you want to say like liberation of women and again like for me like me being the kind of person like yeah people should be able to live freely you know i think like yeah that makes total sense you know why shouldn't women be treated equally why shouldn't you know everybody be treated on the same board um but i guess like 
if it was that easy, there wouldn't be any issues, right? <laughs> right. Um, Unfortunately. Right. So I guess the, the breakdown in there is like where, where, where these issues are. And so like, again, you have to forgive me. I'm not the brightest bulb in the, in the lighthouse, but we're... Well, that's me, and I'm not shining too brightly. <laughs> There's lots of boats crashing into the coast. Um, oh, gosh. All right, so, I mean, we talk about, like, systemic, uh, like, I guess, systemic sexism, I guess, would that be the right way to phrase that? Um, uh, how exactly does that look like? Because I feel like, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people have a lot of different, maybe, ideas and... I guess since I'm not a woman, I can't say what is and isn't true. Uh, but well, I mean, what would what would you guys say? Since you guys are ladies, and <laughs> I don't. I'm not. Neither am I. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Thank you for clarifying, Chris. Just, yeah, just put it out there. <laughs> just in case it was a question. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the issues I know we wanted to talk about was the wage gap. Uh, I think that's an is- interesting issue. As a researcher, um, also, I don't know if you guys want to kind of touch on the wage gap, which has kind of a lot of different uh, perspectives and debates, even within research. So I think that might be important to talk about. Yeah, actually. Well, I mean, I just think that the fact that we're still talking about it at this point, like, shouldn't they have done something by this point, you know? Yeah. So Um, you, you, like would agree that it exists and stuff? Because there's a lot of people who don't think that the wage gap is real. Yeah, I, I think it... Uh, oh, okay. 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 <laughs> it's not so much that I okay you know what? go ahead and continue because it's not so much that I disagree it's it doesn't exist but I think I mean again like I'm a I'm a business guy right mm-hmm. uh and so I think there's a lot of factors that maybe aren't fully accounted for mm-hmm. and you know I'm sure there's there's I mean again I don't know the full statistics mm-hmm. of everything but like the I can't even remember what it was, but the the stats that came out for like the the wage gap and stuff, you know, from what I could gather, didn't necessarily account for things like uh, how many hours were worked and things like that. Now I'm sure there's also stats that go contrary to that. I guess you know, again, being a business and again, be kind of like a free do whatever you want. Like in my mind, it's like, hey, you know, people, you get paid for what you can do and what you do. So if a lady's doing better work than a guy, pay her more. Guy's doing better work than a lady, pay him more. You know, and uh, anything other than that, it's like, okay, you know, I'm not saying that there isn't instances of women being specifically paid less for being women. Cause like, even like, you know, you look at like, uh, when it comes to like racial things, yeah. you know, you find uh, instances in some industries like construction where Hispanic yeah. people and whether it could be because either they're undocumented or because you know just general racism they get paid yeah. less than mm-hmm. other races so I, I I I would agree that this happens I just wondering how much other factors are in play here mm-hmm. that we might not know about well I definitely think people okay I get very concerned when people on Facebook decide to throw out stats anyway because that's where I get all my stats. Most of, the, <laughs> most of the time, they have no understanding of, like, how to approach research, how to approach data. Like, okay, it may say 99% of women are making less money. And it may be an issue I agree with. And I'm like, okay, show me this study. Like, mm-hmm. show me how many s- jobs were you looking at? Were you comparing hours? Were you looking at these different factors? Because I do think it's an issue, but I think it's important. Just if you are about to post something on Facebook, 
as a statistical reference, please, for the love of God, just just look at the study. Like that's all I'm asking. <laughs> Cite you know your sources, <laughs> please. Yeah, just like if only that, ten people were asked, probably not a good. Yeah, study. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just it drives me crazy. So like I would love to hear more from you. Like the actual stats because I've only seen kind of the crappy studies that people reference and throw out. So like, <laughs> I have a quick question. What exactly is the percentage in the wage gap? That's where I don't know because there's different. There's also two different answers to that. Yeah. So what you mentioned about there being different factors, there's actually two different wage gaps. There's the controlled wage gap and the uncontrolled wage gap. So the most people aren't aware of this. So the whole 78 cents on the dollar figure mm-hmm. that people give, that's the uncontrolled wage mm-hmm. gap. And that does not account for differences in jobs, yeah. work experience, things like that. It's that just is like simply, an average of men and women. Yeah, that's simply just taking, you know, blind to all other factors, just looking at wages and men versus women across the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and also one thing to keep in mind with that is that that 78 cents, that's just for white women. Yep. It's... Mm-hmm. The gap is slightly <laughs> smaller for Asian women, but it's larger for black women and then larger, even larger still for uh, Latinas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Getting the short end of the stick <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's the uncontrolled wage gap. And that's a legitimate uh, concern that people have that that's not taking into account yeah. um, those other factors. I will get back to that in a second because it's still really important to know. Um, the controlled wage gap where they do look at um, experience, hours put in, things like that. Um, there is still a gender wage gap. However, it is significantly smaller. So the average gender wage gap across all fields um, for the controlled gap is 98 cents per a man's dollar, oh, which wow. is significantly less of a mm-hmm. gap. It's like but two cents off. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's but that's dollar. just, that's again, <laughs> yeah, that's averaging average. out mm-hmm. the different fields. So then once you break it down into like, what's the controlled wage gap in like right here i've got some stats pulled up this is from payscale.com by you industry. need to send me this article later <laughs> yeah i will I and they've got this. really good data praise um, god it says uh. the largest controlled pay gap by industry was found in the mining quarrying and oil and gas extraction huh. industry um, where women make about seven percent less than men and then the smallest controlled pay gap is in the education services industry where women earn about half a percent less than men on average. Okay. okay. So the controlled wage gap is smaller. It does differ per industry. But at the end of the day, there is technically still a gap right. even when you account for hours, experience, education, job responsibilities. Yeah. Um, does the, that – go ahead. I, the media does make it seem like it's a lot bigger than what you just said, though. Well, because the media is talking about the uncontrolled wage gap, which is still important to know. Because is that kind of misleading, though, do you think? It is a little misleading, um, but it's still an important figure because what that represents is what Payscale is calling an opportunity gap. Yep. So what it shows is that we still have primarily men in higher-paying paying jobs. jobs. Yep. So, okay. you know, we, we see women aren't as encouraged to go into STEM fields or right. men aren't as encouraged CEOs. to go into, like, caretaking um, fields, which are traditionally paid less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we have here, let's see what this said. Sorry. Wasting time pulling the data. <laughs> okay. You're fine. That's all we do We here. do that we, all the we time, waste yeah. Time. <laughs> so, it, you know, men and women both, when they get their jobs, they tend to start in those, like, individual contributor roles. Mm -hmm. Um, We tend to hold those equally, but this here says men are 85% more likely than women to be VPs or C-suite execs by mid-career, 
and 171% more likely to hold those positions late in their career. Um, it also says by the time they reach age 80, more than 60% of women are still working in those individual contributor roles. Dang. Wow. So basically um, they don't have any opportunity to move up the ladder. Right. And That's yeah, crazy. less than 45% of men are still in that type of job by 60. So what we're seeing, the opportunity wage gap, the uncontrolled wage gap, the, the gap that people dispute so much because they think, oh, it's not real. They're not taking into account all these factors. It's still showing that women aren't progressing they're not moving up in the industry that they're in as much as men are. Yeah. And it's also showing that women are not going, like even starting in the higher paying industries, which this gets really complicated really quick when you start looking into different like socialization and things like that on why, and gender stereotypes, why people choose the fields that they yeah. do anyways. Mm -hmm. It still right. shows a problem with systemic sexism that we need to address. Yeah. Okay. It's just not as cut and dry as Seventy-two cents. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Then I guess w well, one of my questions earlier that you mentioned with like coal and uh, mining and oil and stuff, does this like does the controlled wage gap account for the the possibility of? And again, I'm not trying to make any stereotypes. Just generally, you picture mine workers and you know oil field workers and stuff like that. They tend to be male. And do you think there's any? influence on that i guess that would be a background like cultural stereotypes you mean like me manual labor yeah uh make men have to work manual label labor more than women do you think that could attribute to why there's a larger gap in uh the controlled wage gap in uh mining coal and oil it, it could um because ultimately you know men have more testosterone it's muscle promoting <laughs> that sort of thing but yeah. um <laughs> keep in mind though that this is the industry doesn't just have manual labor mm -hmm. jobs they mm -hmm. also have administrative right. that's true jobs and the controlled gap is looking at people in the same job mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. okay that's good to know. so even men and women in administrative roles in the coal and mining industry are not making the same amount of money that makes that's no so sense to me whatsoever why people don't pay women as yeah much? i don't get it at all because we're supposed to stay at home and cook dinner for our husbands mm -hmm. if you're doing the same and job take care of our children i don't know why i was talking level, about it should be the exact same payment I don't understand it at all. It's, yeah. It, but yeah, I guess it uh, also goes back to kids because there's always the possibility of you having a kid. Oh, yeah. And oh, which is, oh, you get so you, yeah, interviews, you get so asked. people are paying women less because they might have kids? Yes. Yeah. And that's actually illegal. It's illegal to ask a woman, like, in an interview their marital or, like, parental yeah. status. But people still do it because oh, women yeah. know if, if they get asked and they complain, they won't get the job and they might get blacklisted. You see, now that, I, I don't think that's correct. You know, you shouldn't ask or if you're going to get pregnant or whatnot coming from a business perspective and again i'm not i don't think it's correct but i guess the logic is especially if you're like a small business owner wages tend to be the biggest expense in a business especially for small businesses so i guess the idea would be is you don't want to pay or i guess uh, invest a lot on an employee who is might end up leaving or you know if, if they're pregnant you know if they, even if you have like maternity leave or whatever is going to be gone for nine months and then it, past that point assuming that you know they're going to be the ones taking care of the baby um assuming so yeah yeah I, I, I mean <laughs> assuming I, I i'm not trying to say that they should or shouldn't or, or yeah. what needs yeah. to happen uh i just i can see the even though it, we could say it's immoral or wrong or illegal i can see the the logic of why they, of why that yeah. would happen but why why should they get paid less just because they might get pregnant because 
because okay. it, they might not be around as much. That's the the idea. But should, yeah. But I, like it, it would make more sense to me to be like like just pay them the same amount. Like it doesn't make sense that you because pay them you, less when you're running a business, you're trying to save as much money as you can. Which is yeah. Because like, like I could if I pay. So it's more of an excuse to pay them less than anything else. I feel right. like yeah. <laughs> and but the the interesting thing though is that. You know, I don't have the data pulled up right now. I can't cite things, um, so this might be a weak argument. But plenty of research has shown that the more you take care of your workers, oh, yeah. the yeah. more, like, profitable that is. So, yeah, wages are a huge expense, mm-hmm. but it usually pays off when their workers are well taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, on, on, on that note, like I, like, I understand the strategy behind it. I don't necessarily think it's a good idea because I've, I've seen studies that show you take care of your people – they're going to end up taking care of you. You want to you want to keep good employees. You got to pay for good employees. Yeah, right. Um, also, keep in mind there are actually more women in the workforce than men. So if people aren't going to <laughs> hire women or Flip pay the them table. as much because of those fears of pregnancy or whatnot, then um, they they might be lacking in some employees. Well, and the way that we handle paternity leave is a hot mess anyway. Like that. How is it handled? Like, I don't know the exact. We don't have paternity. <laughs> like, there's how is it handled? It really isn't. No. It's like if you go on paternity paternity leave, it's like, oh, you're kind of being, I don't know, like you're almost being lazy. Like you don't want to work even though you're going yeah, to go help People your, think the maternity leave is enough. Baby mama or whatever. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. But, okay. I know I might sound like I'm being the bad guy here. I'm not trying to sound like the bad guy. I guess on my end, like I, if I was running a business and I really liked an employee uh, a female employee. No, how do I phrase that again? Uh, <laughs> not like that. Not like not that. Not in a creepy um, way. Yeah. You know, you know, she she does really good work. She gets the job done, and she gets pregnant. In my mind, I want to keep her with the company. Mm-hmm. I want to incentivize her to return. Mm-hmm. And so, in my idea, it's you know that's maternity leave. That's paid maternity leave. I don't necessarily think. I mean, I guess in my mind. You know, in an ideal world, I would say, yeah, everybody should do that because you, know, you got to have somebody's pregnant. They can't help. I mean, I guess they can't help it. But like, well, anyway, uh, <laughs> the the uh, the idea is like if they're pregnant, they're pregnant. They they're they deciding to have change. a child. Yeah, right. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> they can't change that, too, I guess. Um, <laughs> I would say, yeah, OK, they're going to be busy. They need some source of income. I want to keep them as an employee. So there's an incentive there to do that. I don't necessarily think, though, that maybe companies should be forced to pay a a maternity leave for what is usually, usually, and hopefully, the choice of the employee or worker to have a child. Hmm. Does that make sense? So you're saying because it's of their own volition, not that they have to face the consequences, because that sounds really, like, <laughs> terrible. Uh, uh, but you're saying because they are choosing to have a child, they should be willing to be open to the possibility that they might not be paid for maternity leave? Is that what you're saying? I'm trying to make sure I understand. Uh, yes, but, I mean, again, <laughs> in my personal, I would say, yeah, you should pay them, especially if they're a good employee because you got to take care of your people. You know, I would say that's right. I just don't necessarily think – It should be forced. At least not from the government. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah but you know how I feel about that. Uh, yeah. um, oh gosh. But and then, but then that encourages businesses to kind of take advantage of women who are pregnant, and then women aren't going to want to get pregnant. 
Yeah. And they wonder the why women haven't had kids <laughs> until they're like 30 either, but yeah. that's a whole other conversation. And that also just reinforces the wage gap even more because part of the reason, um, on the flip side, why men paid to get more is because if a man has a family, oftentimes say you have a female employee who has a family, a male employee who has mm-hmm. a family, and that boss, whoever's deciding their wages, um, holds to certain gender stereotypes, even if mm-hmm. they aren't aware that that's what they're doing, mm-hmm. oftentimes we'll think along the lines of, oh, because men are traditionally the breadwinners. They have they have somebody else to take yeah, care of. Yeah, the woman, her income is like supplemental, and she's got her <laughs> husband whose oh, income no. can also help, who's the primary breadwinner, whereas this male employee is supposed to be mm-hmm. the primary breadwinner, so it's more important for me to pay him more, you know? Yeah. So That's so interesting. There's, there's different sides to why this happens, and really what it all comes down to is stereotypes about gender roles and expectations that you know the woman is the primary caregiver mm-hmm. um, which yeah. right now that's true but that's not like inherent it's because we're taught to be you know okay, yeah. mm-hmm. okay. i would agree with that and i i this i'm, I'm trying to work this in my mind because i kind of see a maybe a slight connection with okay now the, the female employee maybe she wants to have a child but she can't risk having a child because she might she might get maternity leave but she might not get paid or worse yet she might lose her job do you think you know you get you mentioned that generally like women who are in these higher positions tend to have kids like into their 30s or uh later on later on you know i was uh i was i was watching somebody say like women don't tend to hold higher positions in companies really high positions Mm um and one of the arguments kind of and I'm, I don't know if it's a correct argument or not. And I think part of it is tied to the whole, like, we're kind of told certain stereotypes or, or conditions about our reality uh, as men or women. Um, one of the uh, arguments against, not necessarily against why women shouldn't be in there, but why women aren't uh, in higher positions is that women, since they tend to want to settle down, and again, maybe this is just cultural conditioning, uh, they don't they're not willing to sacrifice the child not literally of course uh, not literally <laughs> nobody should sacrifice a child for their if your employer wants you to do that you need a new job is that right um, different kind of sacrifice um, but yeah you know like i guess metaphorically sacrifice the their yeah. their motherhood or however you want to phrase that in order to get into higher positions um and i think there's there could be something disagreeable in that. But I think if you also tend to look at like men who are in higher positions, a lot of them, you know, business is very cutthroat, right? You kind of have to be. Um, and so when you're in these higher positions, there's, there's only one person who's going to be the CEO. So from that point on, it's like whoever wants it the most. And then if you look at these people who tend to be on top, they're, their family lives or or other factors of their life tend to be in disarray or uh maybe not as desirable as other things so do you think you think there's any validity in that that like maybe women and even we don't even have to stick just women you know other maybe men on who aren't who are all under the ceo pyramid if you will um do you think it has to do with maybe any factor of they might not want it as much as the next person. Does that make sense? I think as yours, because you're saying because of how cutthroat it is and how damaging it might be that 
maybe women just don't want it. Is that kind of what you're... And, and that's not to say that if you pick that route, you're somehow like a worse or terrible person. <laughs> you, I, but yeah, that's essentially what I'm asking. Like, do you think... Because like the, the person who was arguing on the other side of like why women generally aren't there, he says like psychologically based on, on studies that he's seen, I didn't see what studies he was talking about. <laughs> Um, women tend to have a, I mean, but I mean, this guy's legit. I would, I would trust him. Um, women tend to be more agreeable and because they're more agreeable, they tend not to go as cutthroat into, in business as say other like men. Right. And and do you think there's any validity in that? And even if there is, I would almost say like, is that culturally conditioned or, or, (laughs) <laughs> she's like, yeah, yeah Chloe's like, yes. Uh, I, w- I would just argue that that is an issue within the system of, like, corporations in general at that point. If that's – I'm not saying that there shouldn't be competition or that there shouldn't be, you know, that, that working to try to earn that position because I'm not saying that at all. But I do think when it gets to the point where it's it's cutthroat, it's, it's backstabbing, it's all these things that are not healthy – I just think that's an issue anyway. Like that, regardless of how that impacts women, I think that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that women wanting to be agreeable might be a reason why they don't is a sad reason to me. Like that, I think is stupid because I'm like, okay, you're encouraging someone to not show kindness and to not be like to treat others well. So I I don't know I just don't I don't I mean it might have been a generalization of me to say that it's cutthroat you know um but there there is a certain factor that things uh, when you get that high on the level it's competitive and I would even say it doesn't necessarily require you to have to be immoral uh you know it might be kind of wrong to assume that if you're you are that high yeah you yeah. you had to do wrong things to do it I don't know I mean I guess the 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 competition the competitor side of me it's like you know, if you don't want it bad enough, you know, it's it's not on it's not my fault that you don't want it. And I'm not even saying that like from a man versus woman kind of thing. You know, I, I'm I might be saying that more from just a general competitive kind of angle. And like so, in my end, like if you have a man and woman vying for uh, you know higher level positions, I think it would be incorrect for me to say oh, he's a guy, I'm going to give him the job. You're a lady, Sorry. I'm not going to give yeah. you the job. That, that has, like, no basis on any sort of, like, even, even whether it's financial value, moral value, it do- doesn't make sense. Yeah. But if I'm competing between these two and then the the lady or, or even where we want to switch around, the guy shows signs that, you know, maybe they don't know and they don't know if they want the job or they're kind of uh, hesitant about it. I don't think it's necessarily wrong for me to make that choice. And if it happens to be that women tend to be more hesitant about it, I don't think I am to blame for making that choice as a company. Now, we could argue that all of that is conditioned, and I think maybe that's where the source of the issue is. I don't know. Well, Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So, yeah, it definitely is conditioned in that, um, you know, women are expected to be primary caregivers more so than men and that's changing a little bit Mm -hmm. but even in households where they value like equal partnership with parenting and domestic Mm -hmm. things the research shows that women are still doing the majority and even in households where they're doing it equally women are still carrying the mental load things like that so like it is a cultural culturally conditioned in that sense but also I think it's 
a structural problem too whereas like if women weren't as expected to be those primary caregivers then this wouldn't really be an issue um first of all but also if we had a system that supported <laughs> adequately supported parents in the workforce then it also wouldn't be an issue you see what i mean like if we had a system that as far as gender socialization like socialized men and women to equally take <laughs> their roles in child care um, mm -hmm. but also had like outside of the family, like a system, a structure set up that supported working families, that wouldn't be an issue at all because the women wouldn't have to hesitate because they would know that their husband is prepared and willing to take on what he needs to take on, which is expected of male CEOs' wives, you know, because the majority of CEOs are males and we expect that of wives, nobody even thinks about that. But if, if that cultural conditioning didn't occur, then yeah. those women probably wouldn't be as hesitant because they know that their husband would be taking it on. And if the husband couldn't do all of it, there'd be a system in place, be it daycare thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically yeah. you're saying like opportunities that allow for both to take care of the family while also pursuing a career or doing those other things. Right, and this is like the age-old problem that feminists have been fighting on is that <laughs> they dichotomize being a career girl or like a mom, mm -hmm. yeah, whereas men have true. never had to deal with that <laughs> dichotomy. So why do we? Why are we still fighting this today? Right. That's true. I would agree with that. Um, and I feel like that kind of goes into something else we wanted to talk about, which is um, egalitarianism versus complementarianism. Kind of those those roles of of men and women in the household, in the workforce, in the church. And I do want to bring this into a theology aspect as well. So not just even in career, but also. Um, in church leadership because I think that's a big issue uh so I didn't know if we kind of wanted to delve into that and talk about um those roles and how egalitarian groups view that and how complementarian groups view those kind of just yeah. throwing that out there <laughs> I don't know who wants to to take that first Rebecca Chris I feel like we haven't heard yeah from yeah you <laughs> well, I, I don't know as much about all this so I'm just kind of <laughs> soaking it all in can yeah. you give us the definition for was it egalitarian complement whatever okay for my for understanding and chloe might need to correct me but from what i know um complementarianism tends to view men and women as the phrase would be equal but different um which is a very interesting choice of words but that's a whole other conversation mm -hmm. uh so it's usually this idea that within the church specifically so this is more from a, a theological perspective uh, that men and women are both created in the image of God, but men have certain roles that are expected of them, and women have certain roles that are expected of them, and that usually those roles include women being the caregiver, the parent who takes care of the kids, and the father being the breadwinner. It's kind of typically that's the, the, the traditional understanding of those roles. Um, there are some within complementarianism that may have a little bit more leeway with that, so they're not like women can't have jobs or something like that. Right. Like there are complementarians <laughs> who think that women can work in the workforce and all those kind of things. Um, egalitarianism typically um, views men and women as equal, both created in the image of God and capable of having the exact same roles. So there's not that different role category so there's not like oh these are careers that are just for men and these are careers that are just for women it's just kind of like okay you're both created created in the in image of god do what you want kind of thing if that do what you're suited for yeah yeah which mm -hmm. isn't based on your sex <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i don't know if you want to elaborate on that or clarify anything yeah but. i think you get the 
you covered uh, the majority of it. Um, complementarians, the phrase I usually hear, very similar to what you said, is that they believe that men and women are equal in value, but unequal in function. <laughs> or I've like never heard same that value, before. different roles. Huh. Which, no matter how you phrase that, um, it sounds to me a lot like a phrase we used to use to justify racism and segregation, you know, the separate but equal. It sounds separate like the same thing yeah. to me. I hate that phrase. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's what, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and whereas egalitarians, again, it's it's that not everyone is suited for the same roles. It's not like yeah. we want to push everybody into these things. It's just that, you know, we're rejecting biological determinism. Your yeah. sex has nothing to do with whether or not you're suited to be a leader. Yeah. Or... <laughs> pastor <laughs> right just gonna slide that <laughs> slide that in there uh yeah I, I think with egalitarianism um kind of like what you said it's not saying that because I think sometimes people think egalitarianism shuns the traditional roles as a whole like if you are a woman and want to be a take like a stay-at-home mom then something's wrong and I, I, there might be some in the feminist camp that do think that but I don't think that's how it is across the board especially in egalitarianism because it's like okay if you're a woman and you want to stay home and take care of your kids and do that, then that's awesome. Do that. But if you are a woman and you want to be a CEO of a com- company, then do that. Like, it's not that one is better than the other. It's just, like, whatever you're suited to do or called to do, then you have the ability and mm-hmm. capability mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I see, I feel like on a personal level, it's something that I, I've struggled a lot with because, you know, I'm, I'm in graduate school. I'm, I'm trying to study and, and get a career but I know at the same time I really want to be a mom and not just like I want to do both things but I want to make sure that if I'm a mom that I really want to dedicate myself to it as much if not more of the same that I'm dedicating to doing my career you know so I know like there's some days where I'm just like well you know what I guess I'll just you know do this and this and then you know a couple years later do this and this like you know try to plan it out but it's like but I want to do both things yeah can I balance both both things because it's like right now I can't balance a single thing (laughs) so it's like am I going to be able to balance having kids and and working because I feel like I'm called to do both things very Mm -hmm. strongly you know so I I mean I don't know what how you guys feel because like I know you're not in you know you don't want kids Chloe which is totally fine of course you you, you do you but <laughs> you do you you do you yeah that's always been my position so it's like, <laughs> i don't care leave me alone <laughs> like, what's your 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 perspective and i guess hearing me i guess trying to t- try to balance that because i think also you know it's like well having a husband it's like if i'm taking care of the kids well then yeah you're gonna have to earn the money i mean i got my side job right but <laughs> You know, it's like it's, <laughs> it's like something else. Uh, uh, it's like I get. I don't know. I guess it's trying to find that balance in context. in inside joke. In, I'm sorry. In my life of of making sure that just because my husband is is earning the money doesn't mean that he's above me, which he wouldn't because I also feel like personally I wouldn't accept that. <laughs> you know, I, hope not. I, was like, I feel like you wouldn't take any of that. Crap. I wouldn't take any. I don't know. It's just there's so much I think to balance. Right. And it's like, again, it's something that's been on my mind because it's like, well, you know, I want to, I know I, I want both things so strongly and I don't want to sacrifice one or the other in the sense that I don't want to do both jobs poorly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think that balance is the key word there. Um, the things that come to mind with both of you when you were describing sort of your understanding of commentaries and, and egalitarianism, wow. <laughs> I know, I'm uh, struggling today too. So. <laughs> was that... You know, I, I can't help but wonder if the reason you're questioning if you can do both 
like equally well Mm -hmm. is because of the gender roles that you were socialized into which would make sense because how many i don't know if you want kids but you said you're in business do you ever feel (laughs) like (laughs) anyway that's not the point continue yeah but do you ever question like can i do both like maybe somewhat but to the extent that it sounds like rebecca does uh i don't maybe not necessarily the same extent but I, i i deal with that question i would think in a different way and i think maybe that has more to do with and and i don't know this is maybe tying into the whole you know do we have specific roles or not like for me i feel like that's more tied to the role of of being a father as opposed to being like oh i'm i'm a i'm a man and you know I'm, i gotta be a money maker and also this and this right. um you know it, it's more in the sense like you know yeah i not only have to show that i'm a man in a certain way like to my children but i also have to show what it's like to be a father and what mm-hmm. that means uh beyond just the scope of like oh you know masculinity and things like that and i'm earning all the money really when it comes to like gender you know roles and stuff like that and i mentioned this in uh in our masculinity episode like i don't not that i don't care about women's roles like i know that sounds kind of bad to phrase it that way i don't don't take that the wrong way i don't i don't mean it like that no i don't mean it like that like like for me if if you're a, a woman woman yeah, if you're a lady and you're called to be, uh, you feel called to preach, you feel you know compelled by the Spirit, by God. On my end, I'm like, hey, if God's calling you, wh- why does everyone else's opinions matter? You know, God is telling you, go forth. You know, you, people who complain like, oh, you know, all these women preachers, uh, you know, oh, they're they're doing they're doing this and this, and it's like, yeah, well, you know, I. I We've had a lot of problems with the church, and we're been majority male preachers. I'm not saying they're connected, <laughs> but like you know, a lot of us are saying they're connected. Like, you know, causation, correlation. I don't know, but either way, it's probably not a good, just a good thing. And so for me, I'm like, yeah, go ahead and do what you want. And uh, and even like with my my fiance, like my fiance wants to be a teacher. Like on my end, I I want her to to fulfill her dreams and everything that she's been working for these these last four years to be a teacher because i feel like it'd be incorrect for me to you know she's been thinking about this her whole life and then for me to arrive and say hi i'm your i'm going to be your husband now uh yeah you can't be a teacher because who's going to take care of the children uh, um you know <laughs> that, yeah that's not right you know that, that how can i come in and and block her dreams that she's had simply because i've arrived out of the blue um <laughs> You know, on, on our on my end, I kind of take parenting. I, th- I think it's kind of a this. It's a it's a kind of a team effort. I think maybe motherhood and fatherhood provide different perspective and roles on on parenting, but it's not necessarily like one's better to, than the other. Or yeah, or that they don't overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like yeah, on my end, it's like I think you know, women they want to work. They want to they want to be the head of a church. They want to be the head of the household that's fine you know do do what you want on my end though i feel like i feel like men have more obligation not more obligation let me rephrase that i like like <laughs> i mentioned this in, in in our podcast about uh the masculinity like if a lady doesn't want to work oh gosh <laughs> i or she, if she wants to work she doesn't want to work that is okay you know do as you will on the other end it's like i know it might be sound kind of wrong or maybe this is my masculine 
machismo Hispanic conditioning. I think it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But on my like, I see a guy not working. I'm kind of like, what you doing, homeboy? Come on now. You gotta. You know. You don't. And it's not even a, a matter about making more money or making uh making oh my wife's the breadwinner and I make less money than her or anything like that or who's the boss in the relationship. It's nothing like that. For me, I just feel like men should work. I feel like it's wrong to be lazy if you're a man or a woman. I feel like if you're a guy being lazy, it's it's worse. And it's not to say that women work is not as valuable or not women's work. The work of a woman. <laughs> Sorry. I know it sounds really stupid. Uh, the work of a woman, is, of a lady, is not uh, as valuable. It's more just like I feel like men should work. So on that angle, and not that, I, that this stuff doesn't bother me. It's, it's just, uh, I don't know. You're more concerned about like I respect it. Filling their roles as the the work. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean that really that's pretty common. Yeah, um, like you you seem open to you know taking down gender expectations and stuff like that. But you still are not immune to socialization, and you've been raised with this idea that. And, and I'm not gonna like discount that. Like I want to affirm something you said earlier about how we don't like look down on people who take yeah. those more traditional roles. I cannot really call myself a feminist if I don't support people who choose that more traditional path. Granted, on the assumption that they are actually choosing it and know that they can choose something else. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's really that you have to come to a place where you're willing to admit that those, although those are your values, and I'm not telling you to like get rid of those values, acknowledge where those values came from. Why have you grown to value men working? To be okay with women choosing not to, but to not be okay with men choosing not to. Like, that came from somewhere. Yeah. But does that in, invalidate those ideas? I should speak with my mouth covered. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Uh, I, I Like I said, I think there's a lot of it. You know, everybody's got some sort of cultural conditioning going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you can see this. Like, every every group of people's got their, their own culture. And that, in turn, kind of influences how you act but you know like the idea of gathering uh like yeah i feel like they came from somewhere obviously all ideas come from somewhere but uh i don't uh i don't know like i feel like maybe i gather that more from my dad who who's just you know he's he's hard worker and i think part of that is also maybe immigrant being an immigrant being a a, or you know my dad and my grandfather by extension you know being from the from the third world like there is no option you either yeah. work hard or you die right. um yeah. i don't know I, I but i don't necessarily is that a bad thing i don't i don't necessarily think it is a bad thing and uh you know i feel like maybe sometimes expectations aren't a good thing or i don't know they can be burdensome but i don't necessarily think all expectations Again, and I, I like for me, like it's like you know, women do what you want. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm harder on guys, and maybe that's you know, like what you mentioned earlier, you know, dehumanizing or, or toxic masculinity, as we talked in the other yeah. podcast. But I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think it, it, you know, whether you want to look at it as expectation or like as a standard, I don't necessarily think it's wrong to, to try to achieve that or to obligate a guy to, to work. And even if that's just cultural conditioning, you know, then maybe it is what it is. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to force my, oh, you have to do this because this is my culture. You have to accept my culture now. <laughs> but, you know, 
if you happen to agree with it. <laughs> See, I guess I would argue in regards to work that in the creation story, God gives a mandate to men and women equally to work. Um, and this is before the fall. This is, you know, when when he says, like, go, like, um, populate the earth, like, basically take care of what I've created. I think both are mandated to work, and they are both mandated mandated to work for the glory of God um so I I guess I just I would say that one isn't more obligated to work than the other um in regards to men being more obligated I just for me personally like I think both are called and mandated and how that work is is done is I think different for each person but I think both are equally mandated and called to to, to a vocation, if that makes sense. I agree with that. But I do think that, um, like, the traditional roles, I guess is what you would call it, gender roles, comes from possibly, maybe this is just an idea that I've had, that when you look at the cursing section of the man and woman, the man is cursed to toil with the ground and that the ground, like, it will not harvest itself for it, man, while the woman is cursed with painful child, childbirth. So I, I, I can see where, like, the different roles come from they like people might look at that and say oh well then the man is the one working because he's been cursed to do that <laughs> i guess that that is a common yeah yeah so that's actually one thing that like our, the our graduate program talks about um in regards to how that applies to marriage today is there's that's like the post curse state mm-hmm. you didn't see that before mm-hmm. the fall so yeah. if we're yeah. applying the creation accounts to how we should live our lives um you know, like you mentioned, there is an equal mandate to work. There's mutuality, mm-hmm. mutual indwelling there, um, and then the fall happens, and that's part of a curse. Now, keep in mind, Christ has come. If we, if His sacrifice yeah. has brought us redemption from the curse of death, I mean, we still have to suffer physical death, but Christians believe we don't suffer spiritual death. We can, and that's because of Christ. If he can redeem us from the fall, the curse in that sense, why does it not also apply to the mm-hmm. other aspects of the curse? I completely agree with that. I'm just saying maybe that's where that's people where get that idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. <laughs> and a lot of people will take that and think that that's like, because of that, we should follow it, which is yeah. not only not scripturally <laughs> sound, it's also a naturalistic fallacy to say that because things that things ought to be the way they should be. You well, know? because they mm-hmm. interpret the curse as a command rather than it being a descriptive right. statement of what is happening. Yeah, and I think a lot of people read that and go, oh, well, this means that God wants women to be in pain having children and God wants <laughs> men to be in pain working <laughs> in the ground. Like, And I'm just like, it's not saying God's, that's not a command from God. It's it's literally describing, like, you've screwed up and this is, this is the, the devastation that comes from that. Like, yeah, and definitely what you said about realizing that Christ has come and through him we're meant to reflect that renewed and redeemed Mm -hmm. creation in every aspect not just in our own personal like salvation story like Hmm. but at the same time childbirth is still painful oh yeah and the earth is still cursed when it comes to (laughs) harvesting so how how do you farming sucks how do you look at that (laughs) when you when you say that like Christ has redeemed us which he has but the curse is still in effect because it's a fallen world. Well, creation is still groaning, right? Yeah. So you, you read that in Romans 8. Like, it talks about the, the, the entire creation groaning for, and we're meant to be the first fruits of that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, Christ is the first fruit, and we're meant to be the fruit of mm-hmm. that redemption. So, yes, the earth is still in, in bondage, and yes, there's still things that are not right, but as human beings, we have 
the will and the ability to reflect the kingdom of God on earth now. Um, and he has already freed us from that. So that's where I think it's a little bit different, if that makes sense. That's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, that's not even something I ever considered. Not, I mean, it, it seems a pretty, pretty rational, well-thought-out idea. It's just maybe because, oh, my God, I think about these things, right? Um, interesting. Yeah, in terms of theology, since that's a, that is sort of the way we're going, like it, how it applies to complementarianism and egalitarianism, um, people love to take scriptures and oh, yeah. make proof them text. like prescriptive, yes. yeah, and proof text, uh, and they read them. Yeah, they take them out of context, <laughs> and then they'll read them according to modern eyes instead of reading them according to the writer's meaning. And I have like. You know, they're called the clobber verses. Mm-hmm. All the verses in Scripture, in Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3. And 1 Corinthians 14. Yes, and 1 Timothy 2, 12. And, like, all these verses that sound like they seem on the surface to very explicitly say that women are not to exercise authority over men. And that's where they start saying That translation is really Oh, yeah. Yeah, way, that is <laughs> so fascinating when you start digging into 1 Timothy 2, 12, especially. Uh-huh. Um, but pretty much all of that, I think that there is a lack of education, honestly, a lack of study when people look at an English translation. Oh, gosh. Don't even get me started. They, they look <laughs> at Greek. a simplified modern English translation. It's of, terrible. Right, of those verses just on the surface and say, okay, this means, this language means the same thing back then as it means today. <laughs> so this means that women are not allowed to be in positions of leadership in the church. Mm-hmm. It, and I think it's intellectually and spiritually lazy, honestly. I don't mean mm-hmm. to be, like, throwing accusations at people, but that's, the that's really what it's come <laughs> to, is that we have countless theologians and scholars who have done countless hours, years of study into issues in translation. You know, Which there are a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and not even just translation things, but, like, Junius versus Junia. Like, that's mm-hmm. not yeah. a translation issue. A scribe just wrote an yeah. S on the end of a female name, to make a male name that didn't even exist yet and mm-hmm. it just yeah. e- erased I remember that one. <laughs> it erased the the female sexuality of an apostle yep and oh. so now we've got people in the church <laughs> sorry i'm getting <laughs> right oh. yeah now we've got people in the church saying that women are not like to be apostles and that sort of thing when there's plenty of, of evidence of this in scripture but where we see it being taken out of scripture is when we do things like he refers to, is it Phoebe, I believe? He refers to Phoebe as oh, a, a deacon. deacon yeah. But they translate it. Oh, this ticks me off. <laughs> I'm sorry. This ticks me off because they translate the word deacon everywhere else in the New Testament mm-hmm. as deacon, correct? Mm-hmm. This one time he says, Phoebe, deacon of the church, goes, servant or <laughs> helper. Yeah. And I'm like, what the crap? Like, yeah. it makes me I mean, so it's the same angry. word, but I can see what they're doing there. Like, it's a woman, so she can't yeah, be a deacon. It's She's so a servant. Even, right. though, even though the word does mean servant and deacon. It does they, mean both, but, but it's like every other part of the yeah, Bible. It's, they it means it's almost yeah. petty. Yeah. It is petty. It's so, uh sorry. Yeah, it just drives me nuts. <laughs> and in First Timothy 2, 12, where it says, like, women are not to exercise, exercise authority. authority. Authority, like, the word authority there, authentian, is what it means is, what it means <laughs> is, <laughs> sorry, is, like, a misuse or an abuse of authority, and it specifically connotes like violence, especially towards men. First Timothy is all about the cult of Artemis. That's what it's all about. So the more that we research the cult of Ar- Artemis, what it was like in Ephesus and how it was influencing the church, 
um, what it had to do with the oral law that Paul was like referencing in those letters and stuff, the more we realized that this has a very rich um, meaning to it. And not only have we twisted um, and misinterpreted and, and mistranslated and misapplied this and then hurt people with those misapplications and misinterpretations, we're also losing the richness of scripture. Mm-hmm. We're losing the richness of the word of God mm-hmm. because we are not familiarizing ourselves with the context and with you know the implications of that context and with, with the history of the translations of that scripture and things like that. Yeah. So. That's really good. Point. And that applies to, I guarantee you, like almost every single scripture that complementarians use against egalitarianism i mean you can you can refute it yeah all they've got is the bible says that i believe it that's all there is to it and we've got like <laughs> yeah sorry i could go on for days about this, this is <laughs> that's fine hot topic for me yeah yeah i understand cool. but i know we've talked for a while so i don't know if you guys all just had like closing thoughts i know there's like so much more we could talk about because there's like so much to this issue but well, before I mean, before we close out, I did want to ask, like, really, it's two questions. First one, I guess, and and I don't know necessarily where you stand or how you feel about it, but I think generally there's some perceptions of like feminism, especially I guess third wave now, that there's kind of a, a radicalness to it. Which you know, hey, you're passionate about something, be a radical. That's always been my stance, but. Uh, <laughs> Get in what? trouble sometimes. I mean, yeah, no, it'll definitely get you in trouble. But you know, being in trouble ain't always mean you in trouble for being wrong. But uh, <laughs> I guess well, you know what I'm saying. Like, you know, I see things like on BuzzFeed, right? Oh, Which gosh. is not, yeah. not where you should get <laughs> your news. That's a very reliable source. Uh, but okay, so like mansplaining, manspreading, <laughs> and, and that's a really interesting video. But that's a whole other thing. And like for, for me, and I, I don't know where you. Maybe all of it's just conditioning all that stuff. But for me, like, and maybe I'm a guy and I have no idea. Like, I look at that stuff and I kind of see that more as whether you want to say petty or devaluing of, of a lot of great, you know, a lot of great arguments. And like, okay, for me, I'm, I'm not saying that men don't condescend women and use mansplaining. They do. But I don't think that's so much of a, oh, man men are, are, are mansplaining. It's more like, oh, people who tend to be in authority tend to be condescending. Now, those people tend to be men, but, you know, and maybe that has to do with a lot of everything else that we're talking about. But I, I don't necessarily see that as exclusively as, like, a a man issue. Uh, and same thing with, like, like manspreading. Like, for me, <laughs> and again, if, you know, this really does bother you guys or anything like that, like, I don't, I think that's kind of dumb. And, and, Part of it is because, like, one, when men tend to sit with their legs open, we have our reasons, too. Um, but, I mean, even the other side of it is, too, like, for me, one, I'm of the argument, like, hey, sit however you want. I don't care. You know, if, you wanna, if you're a lady and you want to sit, you know, legs open, legs closed, I don't care. Do what you want. But the other side of it also, like, when it comes to, like, manspreading, it's like, you know, if a dude wants to sit with his legs open, do it. Now, if you're going to be obnoxious about it and you're spreading it out, I would apply that to anybody. Like, hey, you know, I'm trying to sit here. It's not so much of a, of a, I would think, an issue with men specifically. And so do you, like, as, as you know, being a feminist person, do you think, 
do you think there's any legitimacy in, in those arguments or, or is it, what do you think? I think that man spreading in particular, since that you have brought that up, is trivial compared to yeah. some of the mm-hmm. other effects of gender socialization. But even if that is a trivial consequence of it, it still points to the same problem of socialization where men are sort of taught that they can you know, take up space, that they can speak more. I mean, there's been plenty of studies when we talk about, like, talking and stuff that show that men tend to dominate conversations, and yet they view, when women speak, like, 25% of the time, <laughs> view women as dominant. It's, it's so yeah. Much. yeah, Just, like, mm-hmm. figuratively, literally, men sort of socialize to take up more space. Uh, they can be in these positions of power and leadership. Manspreading is a trivial consequence mm-hmm. that I'm not willing to yell at people about. Exactly, yeah. Um, but what it points to, what it's evidence of, is not trivial. It's just that there are other consequences of that thing that are more important. Yeah. But that being said, I did recently attend a wedding and sat next to a strange man I didn't know who was had his legs apart the whole time, and that's fine, Except for the fact that his leg was so far over into my space that I was, like, leaning on my fiancé and was, like, a third of the way on the chair. <laughs> and I'm a very small woman. Mm-hmm. Like, it, oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't take up that much space on the chair, and yet he, I still was, like, had to be almost off of it because his leg was so far over into my personal space. Yeah. And he didn't seem to, like, think that there was anything wrong with that. Mm. So, yeah, it's a trivial issue. It's still a little bit annoying, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree that it's... I get annoyed when people do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would agree that it's trivial, and I think... Like, I don't think it's something we need to be picketing and, like, marching against. Like, it's not that big, you <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like, that speak. wouldn't... Yeah, yeah. But I think, like you said, it points to other issues. And I think I'm just... This is more my own thought. This is not backed by research, although there probably is some on it. But I think it also may have to do with um, just the ability to be comfortable in your own body um the idea that a man doesn't have as much to be concerned about in regards to like public i I know this sounds weird because i'm talking about sitting down but like for a woman like oftentimes it's very much like pulled together closed up lady yeah there are certain obligations about women um and how they present themselves and without it coming off as as arrogant um, or all these other kind of things. And like I said, I think it, I would agree. It's a trivial issue. I don't think it's something that needs to be like debated about, but I do think, like you said, it points to other issues in regards to like men and women in their relationships. Yeah. It is, it's a trivial result, yeah. but it is the result of something that's not trivial. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I would agree yeah. with that. And, and one thing I do want to say, um, like you mentioned radical kind of, feminists earlier and I want to address that just because to me this is very personal and very important mm-hmm. so getting into the jargon of feminism a little bit I don't know about yes just go, go. Don't, okay. worry don't worry about it. it yeah so there's like different camps of feminism and when people use the word radical feminism there's two different ways they're using that little r feminism is people who are calling a feminist radical which can mean whatever you want radical to mean mm-hmm. big r radical feminism is a specific camp of feminism that have very specific beliefs that are totally contrary to liberal feminism like big l liberal feminism which is the version of feminism that you see in like buzzfeed (laughs) that's mainstream feminism liberal feminism yes radical feminism rather than okay so like some of the differences this is an oversimplification liberal feminism is like 
you know, they acknowledge gender fluidity. Radical feminism would rather abolish gender. Altogether. Oh, yeah. Right. Yep. Uh-huh. So now that's operating on the understanding that gender and sex are two different things. But yeah, so like <laughs> radical feminists tend to be less inclusive of transgender individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, if you're going to see a feminist who is like, I hate men, let's create the matriarchy. Although that's <laughs> not as common as like people against mm-hmm. feminism like to think it is. Yep. Um, if you're going to see that, it's most likely going to be in the radical feminist camp. Um, but that doesn't mean we should demonize all of them because they should get to be in this conversation just as much. Yeah. But the one thing that's really important to me, because the whole radical feminism does bring up this idea that this is a threat to men, matriarchy, that sort of thing. I can't speak for all feminists, but speaking for myself as someone who very strongly and proudly and loudly identifies as a feminist, I don't want to flip the power structure. I have no interest in having systemic power over men. And I acknowledge that gender roles and expectations, although historically do hurt women more just because we are the ones put in positions of inferiority more, Mm -hmm. um, be it like on paper or just in our personal relationships, they do hurt men. Yeah. So like, for instance, women are, are more likely to experience depression. They're more likely to attempt suicide but men are more likely to complete suicide because of several reasons like they're not taught that they are allowed to express the full spectrum of human emotion they're not allowed to be weak (laughs) and just like women aren't allowed to be strong men aren't allowed to be weak and that hurts men because men need support they need to be able to cry that's like a physiological (laughs) necessity sometimes and everyone needs a good cry (laughs) And on top of that, because partially this has to do with testosterone, we can't ignore that. Testosterone does tend to make us a little more aggressive. But we also, men being encouraged, they're encouraged to be more aggressive in the way they express themselves, which is why they tend to go for more lethal forms of committing suicide, which is why they tend to be more successful. Mm -hmm. So, like, gender stereotypes and expectations are hurting everybody it's not just women and though yeah i will say if i mean if we had to play what someone once very condescendingly called the oppression olympics like i'm gonna say that women are beating men at that but which is not a good thing yeah (laughs) right like i don't want yeah i don't want that i don't want to have this like victim mentality sort of thing but like yes women are like at a little bit of a disadvantage there but i i want to acknowledge like i have a fiance and i love him to death and it would it kills me to think of I don't know that he is, but just by nature of being a male, is he experiencing or will he experience some sort of pain in life that could have been avoided if we did not have sexist gender roles so heavily ingrained in our society? In church culture, especially, especially in conservative churches, too. I mean, I care about the men in my life, and this is hurting them, too. Mm. That's good. That's Mm. a good point, for sure. Um. Man, I wanted to ask one more question. I know we're running on time, but at this point, you know, I, it doesn't even matter because pretty good conversation. It's almost like fearing, or you want to say like radical feminists who like want to change it into the matriarchy and want to flip the script. Like if you fear them doing that, 
and flipping the script, there's kind of an implication that the script right now is currently. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. If you fear it, then you that means you are at least subconsciously acknowledging that men <laughs> that are in a up. position of power. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, maybe you should get on board with this then. <laughs> or with feminism, not the matriarchy. And yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the guns to our heads, right? Um, I, I don't know. This, this doesn't have to be the last question if you guys have more questions. One thing I wanted to ask. Do you think, uh, and I don't know exactly where you are on the political spectrum, but, you know, I, I think it's, you know, you can guess these kind of things sometimes. Um, <laughs> do you, like me, I, I don't really subscribe to any party necessarily. Yeah. You know, if anything, I, I lean towards libertarianism. Yeah, barely. I gathered that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes they're a little too tinfoil hat for me, but, uh, you know, I, I lean that way sometimes. Um, sometimes. Well, I, I like to take, you know, I, I kind of look at like political parties like a buffet. You take what works in one, you take what works in the other, and, and then you get a nice meal. Um, I mean, it sounds reasonable to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why people think we have to be obligated to think like everybody else in the group. Um, Amen. That's true. That is annoying. Anyway, continue. <laughs> but, you know, I guess leaning towards those libertarian kind of instincts, do you, would you think it would be incorrect for people to draw, like, I believe in feminism. I, I mean, I guess my version of feminism is male-influenced and clearly nowhere near as deep as, as uh, you know, what it is. Um, and maybe a lot of that's due to my own ignorance or I'm not as well studied in all of it. But do you think it's wrong for me? Or, I mean, I, I'm not a woman, so I can't, I, I guess I can't do that. But, like, for me, again, for me, uh, drawing on the argument that feminism and even other kinds of beliefs uh, should be drawn upon more the individuality of a person as opposed to uh, maybe the identity. I, I think identity does play a huge role in a lot of things because obviously being a Hispanic male, I'm going to see things a certain way maybe different than a white lady or, or a black man. Um, but I think even with those influences and cultural conditioning, I think individual, individual will, individual freedom, however you want to say it, that kind of individual yearning to be recognized as a free person, do you think it's, I, I would say that I think that's where feminism should draw the well from rather than, than, and I would, I would almost argue for anybody like for your Liberty should be drawn from the well of individualism as opposed to the well of I'm this. So I have to act this way. And granted I'm a guy, so I can't tell you where you see it. And that's again, draw whatever water you want from wherever. <laughs> Um, but does that make any sense? Is that a proper question? It does. And if I'm understanding you correctly, that's a pretty common um, criticism of feminism. People use the phrase identity politics and yeah. say that like... I'm not real big on that. Yeah, yeah you're like, a, like ignoring the individual's experience. And my response to that is there's this thing called a dialectic. And basically what it is is the idea that you can believe to things that seem to be contradictory seem to be the opposite you can believe them at the same time and hold them in tension now that's an intellectual activity that's a little difficult and takes practice mm -hmm. and is an ongoing process it it creates tension but we have to live in the tension yeah um i call it sitting in the tilt um <laughs> we have to learn how to that's do that so like we have to learn to acknowledge on one hand yes 
there are systemic forces at play and one's gender or race or sexual orientation are statistically speaking they are more likely to experience certain things based on those identities Mm -hmm. at the same time i also acknowledge individual experience you know there are outliers um individual experience is way more nuanced i can acknowledge both of those things at the same time i don't have to I don't have to give, yeah, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can do both. So it's like people will say things when it comes to like institutional or systemic racism. Like I, I like, they'll say something like I have black friends who are richer than I am. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm sure that you do. Like that doesn't change the fact like that individual was able to go through life in a certain way with certain results, um, be it because of their circumstances or their personality or whatnot. But they also went through life as a minority individual in a system with certain systemic forces. You know what I mean? Both can be true at the same time. I would agree. Yeah, I guess in my camp, I just, I think the individual tends to, being yourself and and fighting for that, in my view, just is more beneficial than than arguing for anything else. That's not to say what what you're saying, I think, makes total sense. I'm sorry. I know I've been kind of asking all the questions. Oh, you're good. good. I think this is a good, productive conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to have another one at some point more about like church issues because that's something I get very uh, passionate about. (laughs) If you've known me at all, you've probably heard me talk about it. Uh, No, really? Yeah. (laughs) Chris and Walter are like, yeah. Uh, But uh, do you guys have any like closing thoughts or like final points you'd want to make based on kind of what we've talked about or anything that you've gain knowledge in because i mean i feel like there's a lot that i've (laughs) that chloe has helped me better understand yeah for sure for sure but uh yeah i mean i guess i would just encourage people to have these kind of talks with Mm -hmm. their friends who like you may have disagreements with or you just don't know much about that topic because i definitely learned a whole lot about feminism where i was kind of i was kind of iffy on this beforehand (laughs) but um i don't know i think i definitely have a deeper understanding and a, a deeper respect for it than i than i did before yeah yeah, uh, I definitely definitely learned because you know, most most of the time when I the, the week I had interactions with this you know feminism stuff like that, it tends to be kind of like more of an emotional like everyone puts on yeah kind of kind of almost attacking for even asking questions, and it kind of leads you like well I still don't know what you're arguing for <laughs> what what it is even about and I could I can definitely agree with you more if I at least know what you're talking about <laughs> and I've definitely learned here now you know maybe the next episode we can debate more and more depending on you know whether we agree on everything else or whatnot but i I, it was good it was good episode i learned a lot thank you you have any closing thoughts chloe (laughs) down with the patriarchy (laughs) just anything (laughs) yeah no i I do second that down with the patriarchy (laughs) my my one closing thought is this is that if people are going to have these conversations outside of you know listening to this podcast or you guys research has shown that people don't change their minds based on facts and statistics Um, It's really important to arm ourselves with those things because knowledge is power. It's Mm -hmm. very important to have that um, in our arsenal. But people have their minds changed through personal connection. So before you start, if you're the type of individual who who wants to, you know, persuade people of one side, before you start throwing statistics and stuff at people, which some may say should work, but fortunately it doesn't, you're going to have to get in a relationship with them. And that can take years. Um, so this is this is not like an easy, short fight that you can just have like a data, mm-hmm. a data war. 
whoever wins, right? Yeah. Right. It's it's not what it's going to take. It's going to take respect and engaging and personal connection. Yeah, hmm. I would agree. Well said. You yeah. got, yeah, you got any thoughts? No, I'm just. I think I think uh, there's a lot that I have to reflect on personally as to what I believe and what I've learned and. I don't know, like it's not just a, a a one-time thing you think about it it's it, it's a lifestyle thing honestly because you're constantly thinking and 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 seeing how you're reacting to yeah. people and and how people react towards you you know yeah. i'm not sure if i'm making sense but yeah it's interesting yeah so do you have any? um i guess for me like i would definitely second that idea of being willing to form relationships with people outside of your own group and that's on both sides of this issue or any other issue um and that honestly is something that I've always appreciated about my own story and my own life is that in my high school I had the ability to have friends with (laughs) very different uh thoughts about things whether it be religion or politics or um uh, gender roles any of that like I, I I was able to have those kind of relationships and they honestly helped me grow so much as a person um And I think with this issue, um, my biggest encouragement would be to listen uh, to those who have their own stories and have their own experiences. Um, I think sometimes it's easy to jump to defend yourself uh, when you hear someone say like, oh, men are oppressive. And I would agree, like as an individual, you may be the least sexist, like most hardcore feminist person, but like being willing to sit and hear their story I think allows for that that dialogue and allows for that person to find healing. Um, so yeah, I guess that's just my encouragement. When you have these kind of conversations that might be difficult, um, just be willing to sit there and, and hear them out, even if they're completely wrong and overgeneralizing, like just being willing to listen and have those conversations I think is, is really important. Um, but yeah, I just wanna thank you guys for listening and uh, leave some comments, tell us what you think. Uh, any questions you might have for a future episode on feminism? I think that'd be really cool. So yeah, and good thank night, you, guys. Chloe. Thanks. Go women. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this new episode. If you want to hear more from us, like us on Facebook at Thoughts of the Roundtable. Follow us on Twitter at totrt underscore podcast, and check out our website at thoughtsoftheroundtable.com.